We'd like to welcome you to another episode of I Believe the Book podcast. So excited to try to get another one out on time. I know that you're thankful for that as well as I've been poor about doing that in the last few months, but we're trying to be better. And so here we are again today, looking forward to another episode. I've got a good friend with me, Brother Matt McDaniel. Brother Matt has worked 20 years at our ministry. I hired him 20 years ago to be an elementary PE teacher. Thanks a lot for that. You're welcome. Yeah. That was a highlight of your that's career. That's how you know you love somebody. But, <laughs> Make uh, them elementary teacher. Elementary PE yeah. teacher. <laughs> and so uh, he did that for just a couple years, and then he's taught Bible for probably 19 of those years. And now he's been the assistant pastor of our church for 15 years. And, of course, preaches meetings around the country in several different states every year. And he's a blessing to us and a blessing to others around the world, if you will. Been to Cuba a few times, been to Nigeria, so the Lord has blessed him. He's used him. We're excited to have him. Brother Matt, good to have you on the podcast. Well, it's a joy to be on here. We listened to several of your other podcasts and thank the Lord for the effort not you're all. making here. I, I know not all. Okay, I missed the last one. I'm sorry. You're the so one I did by myself. I'm so going to listen to this one, though, for sure. <laughs> okay, I bet you are. All right. Well, we're glad to have you and uh, looking forward to the material. We've talked a little bit about it. I'm excited about it. But before we get into that, we always share a funny story. We call our podcast Apologetics Without Attitude, and we want people to know that we believe you can know the truth and believe the truth and still have a good spirit. And on top of that, we like for uh, people to know that you can have a good time being a Christian. And part yeah. of that is not taking yourself too serious. <laughs> and we both know by experience, unfortunately, <laughs> that God is very good at humbling us. Yes, he can bring us sure. right down. So I know you got at least one good story that you want to share with us. So go okay, ahead Okay, so we used to have an all-night prayer meeting. It uh, seemed like about every week, uh, about, about 20 years ago. And so what they would do is they typically ask some of us young guys that were preachers uh, to have a message ready for that all-night prayer meeting. It'd be a mixture of people, so we'd have men and women, sometimes teenagers in there. Right. And so I, I think my slot fell at about 2.30 in the morning. Uh, I was a little past Paul's midnight hour. And so I started preaching. Wild things get preached. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. In the morning. I think no God it was pre-social media. Otherwise, oh, yes. I probably wouldn't be in the ministry today. That's right. So <laughs> I, I start into the message, and I've got this one specific illustration about ants. And um, I'm going to really make an emphasis on uh, a point about God recognizing them. And so when I get to it, you were there. And so, I mean, I was waxing eloquent. And oh, when yeah. I get to the, the key part of the illustration, How old do you think you were? I was 19. 19. Yeah. I have already said that. So I get to the key part of the illustration, and I'm just about to say, uh, you know, put the emphasis where it needs to be. And when I do, I say the wrong word, and it's a horrible word. It was a bad word. It was a bad word. <laughs> it's a, um, a questionable word uh, about the human anatomy. Yeah, we'll just right. leave it We're at just that. Leave That's it a at good that. way to say it. And people that are watching that know the story, oh, they know exactly my, what I'm talking about. So to make emphasis on that, I reinforce it by saying the word again. And when I said it again, what was your exact phrase from the <laughs> well, audience? What happened was... When he said it the first time, we were the, several of us were older. We're trying to be nice to the young people. Yeah, you helped me out. So we didn't even laugh. We didn't make <laughs> a scene. We didn't do anything. But instead of him recognizing it because we didn't say anything, he thought he was really doing well. 
circled back around and hit the same inappropriate word again. really hard again. <laughs> At which point I said, stop saying that word. Yeah, and, and then it kind of hit me. Oh, uh, well, then everybody erupted laughing. Yep, and I was devastated. <laughs> um, I just wanted to crawl under a pew and die, so I quickly concluded the message. Every head bowed, every eye closed, yep. right there. And ever point. since then, they've never let me forget oh, it. So, um, yeah, I always pray for God's mercy. That's right. That is, that is a legendary story. It really is. Here. We wish we could tell you all of it, but it'd be inappropriate. There was, uh, you know, when you think that, you start thinking of other ones we've heard about. Oh, no. Where, where just men have <laughs> been preaching and just said the wrong word or mispronounced one, and it sounded like, and it's just the worst possible thing. Yes. You know what's going to happen. You preach as much as we preach, talk as much <laughs> as we talk. But you know what you do? You repent. Yes, and you, you tell the Lord you're sorry and those people you're sorry. And then you laugh at yourself and you get up and you go on. And Brother Matt has done that in these last 19 years. He's yes. preached tremendous messages where he did not say horrific Thank words. I've heard so, that message, by the thanks way. Thanks so the Lord. Done, so. Thank the Lord for his help. <laughs> Now, we like to laugh, we like to smile, but that's not why we're really here. We're really here to talk about the Bible and uh, why that we want you to know that you can still have confidence that the Bible, and of course, we believe strongly the King James Bible is yes. the Word of God, that we have the Word of God and we can put our faith and our trust in that and we can depend on it. We can make decisions based on it. We can raise our children from the teachings that are in it. And so uh, it's been a blessing to have some of the other men come on and mm. share just kind of in their heart one of the things. You know, everybody's not, nobody's able to tell everything. Sure. But just give us one quick hard-hitting thing is what we've asked them to do about why they know they can believe the book. Just something through the years God has revealed to you that further mm. gave you confidence that this is the Word of God. So, Brother Matt, I'll turn it over to you, and you okay. go ahead and just start giving us your uh, thoughts well, today. I wanted that. to share something with you today about the canon of Scripture and really what that is, is how we got the books in the Bible that we have today. Okay. Uh, oftentimes people, you know, read the Bible, but they'll not really know, well, why did we decide to put, you know, First and Second Corinthians in there? Why do we have some of these Old Testament books? And the wonderful right. thing is we can find all that information in the Bible itself. Hmm. And so I'll just start out by saying when we talk about the canon of the Bible, you got to make sure that you understand the spelling of it that it's not C-A-N-N-O-N, -N -N, like the artillery, right. it's just C-A-N-O-N, -N, the canon, and it refers to, really describes the inspired books of the Bible. And I'll share this verse, because really that, the word canon is not found in the Scripture, but the idea of it is. Okay. And so in Galatians 6 and verse 16, I'll read this verse, Paul says this, he said, And as many as walk according to this rule, and so that word rule, when you begin to look at it, it really could mean the same word as canon. It's a, canon is really a standard of measurement is what you. it is. Right. Yeah, and so uh, it was used to measure these books of the Bible and which one should go in there. And when you try to figure that thing out theologically, right. you start talking about the revelation of God. It's the Lord revealing things to us that we don't you know, yet know. And then inspiration, that's God writing it down. And then canonization is the church recognizing these books as the ones that God's given. And there, us. Are, there are some questions about that because there are some other books that other people yes. mention, absolutely, that other people talk about, and and folks will hear about them and think, well, why is that not in there? Well, so this is a legitimate question for absolutely. people. Absolutely. Uh, and it's interesting that you say that because the definition of canonization is different than what we would use for Catholicism because the thing about Catholicism is they declare books of the Bible to be authoritative. I see. And so the right view of that is, is that God declares a book to be authoritative and then the church recognizes the authority of that truth. Right, right. 
Okay. Well, that makes sense. So there's a couple of a different approaches is what you're saying, and that's what you want to get into here there is. in a little bit. Okay. Okay. Now, in this discussion, really, there's two approaches that you can take to what they call canonicity. And so the first, the first approach is a community approach. And basically what that is, it's the idea, when did the church officially recognize the canon as a whole? Right. Okay, so in 376 A.D., there's a guy by the name of Athanasius. Thank God for Tony and Matt. Yeah. Uh, and who was the bishop of Alexandria. And on Easter Sunday morning, uh, for the very first time in recorded history, he lists uh, the 27 books of the New Testament. And so by doing that, there's different church councils that come together uh, for the next several years. And what happens, they give discussions about the Bible. And basically, the church decides what books are in the canon based on just sort of the general community approach of the council of churches. And so that's kind of the community approach. Here's the, here's the thing, though. If you take that approach, there's some problems with it. Okay. Like, for instance, you know, did the early church have a Bible or not? That's a pretty significant question. Yeah. Or, you know, were the books that were in there one time officially being read and then they weren't? So here's the thing. Without getting too deep into the podcast, I want to... Uh, I want to just give you a verse of scripture that kind of settles that in the New Testament. And it's in Luke 24, uh, 44 through 45. And really, Jesus settles the Old Testament canon in these two verses. And that's why I think the Bible is an amazing book. Because when yeah. you're looking for answers, instead of just Googling whoever, you can just look to the book and, and it gives yes. you the answer. Yes. And so in Luke 24, uh, you know the story. Jesus is on the road to Emmaus. He's talking to those disciples. Right. And as he begins to speak, the Bible says that they're... Their heart burned within them. Right, right. And really, he's teaching them about scriptures concerning himself. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll read the passage to you. It says this, if you want to look at it. Yeah. It says, He said unto them, uh, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled that were written in, here it is, the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand, here's the key word, the scriptures. The scriptures. Yeah. The scriptures. Yeah. And so the scriptures were the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. But you know, Brother Tony, the, the Hebrew Bible is very different from the English Bible and the way we make those divisions. Okay. You know, when we talk about our divisions in the Old Testament, you talk about the five books of the law, and yeah, then there's right. those 12 books of history. You've got right. the major prophets, the minor prophets. But uh, the Hebrew Bible is not laid out that way. As a matter of fact, our Bible ends with Malachi. The Hebrew Bible, the Jewish Bible, ends with... Um, ends with the book of 2 Chronicles. Okay. And so the reason it does that is because chronologically that's kind of where they're at in history. Gotcha. But the Jewish Bible, I thought this was neat, it's divided in three ways. So Jesus gave the scripture, the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. The Jewish Bible is divided into the law, the prophets, and the writings, and Psalms being the biggest book. And so when Jesus said the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, basically that was the divisions given in the Jewish scriptures and here's what it didn't contain. It didn't contain the Apocrypha. Right. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that just a few minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Now, here, here's the thing about that. Uh, the story of the Maccabees, which is in the Apocrypha, happened after the Old Testament, but before Jesus. And right. so he would have been aware of it. You know, sure. He would have been aware of the story of the, uh, the, revolt, the, uh, the revolt that takes place, the Maccabean heroes, people like John Hyrcanus. There's all these people in history that are right. in the Maccabees, but... Jesus did not equate those historical accounts as scripture. scripture. Yeah. That's right. So That's he put right. his stamp 
uh, on the you. Jewish Bible. So he basically settles the Old Testament canon right. in Luke 24. So I think that's pretty neat when that's, we look there. Awesome. Yeah. It's amazing how so many times answers about the book is in the book. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, or answers are, excuse me. Well, you know what people the say, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. The Bible itself, so, right. many times. Absolutely. So, really, the community approach is where the church eventually figures it out, but is there another way? Is there another approach? And right. the answer is, uh, yes, there is. And really, a lot of the debate centers over the New Testament. And so, the other approach, theologically, they call it the intrinsic or the internal approach. And basically, you know, how did people view the books? Uh, that were written, did they view them as scripture, different from the writings of others, uh, and basically did they become scripture over time, and when you read the Bible instead of history, it gives an answer to those questions. All right, let's So hear let's jump into some of these here. Uh, the first one I want to look at is in 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter 3, and verse number 15, and I want you to consider what Peter says about Paul. And the Bible says this, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also according uh, to the wisdom that he hath given him hath written unto you. Now watch this, also as also in all his epistles, speaking about Paul, speaking uh, in them of the things in which are some to be hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned are unstable, they rest as they do also the other scriptures. And so right here in the New Testament, Paul, or excuse me, Peter calls Paul's writings scripture. Right. right. And what this does, this validates over half the you know, that's half right. the New Testament. All the books that Paul wrote. I mean, wrote. whether yeah. or not you believe Paul wrote Hebrews, that's 14 books in the New Testament automatically right. that Peter validates. That's right. Uh, for Paul. That so. the Bible itself qualifies in a separate place as scripture. Absolutely. I love it. And so I always like to share that one first because like Paul validates his own scripture yeah. in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Uh, he tells the Thessalonians, he said, uh, the word that we sent to you, you didn't receive it as the word of man. You received right. it as it is in truth, the word of God. And right. so basically Paul's saying this, uh, I'm speaking with the authority of God's word yes. and the church recognized that. Yes. And so this, Paul's been validated in the New Testament as being a legitimate writer and God says his books are scripture. Scripture. Yeah. That's the key word. And so I, I believe that that's important. So here's another one that we can look at in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 18. I want to share this one with you. Right. Uh, the Bible says this. It says, For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. The labor is worthy of his reward. Now, the first part of that is found in Deuteronomy 25. Oh. The second part of that passage, though, is found in Luke chapter 10 in verse number seven, and here Paul calls Luke's scripture, yep. or uh, Luke's writing, yep. scripture. Now here's why that's significant. Even though Luke just wrote two books in the New Testament, he almost writes the majority of the New Testament because in volume, Luke writes Acts and he writes Luke, and that's 25% of the New Testament. Oh wow. Yeah. And yeah. so only so, two books, but but massive amount of chapters, absolutely and words. Two of right. the biggest books in the New Testament. Right. right. And so here here we have the Bible. Uh, validating Luke and now validating the Apostle Paul. And uh, well, here's another one. I'll, I'll share this one with you. In yeah. 2 Peter 3 and verse number 2, the Bible says this. It says that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Peter puts the authority of the apostles on the same level as the authority of the prophets mm. when they speak. How about that? And so it, it's interesting how you look at that. Jude does that as well. In yeah. Jude 1.17, yeah. he talks about uh, the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ and their writings. And so basically, 
Jude puts the words of the apostles in light of authority. And the apostles were vested with authority. Right. And what they wrote is considered to be authoritative by God. So there you go. So when you start thinking about who the apostles well, you were. you start putting those pieces together. Yeah. You think that's Matthew. Right. That's Peter, Paul, and John, which writes five books in the New Testament. Right. So really, it just leaves two guys. And the other two is, how do you validate Mark and James? So basically, uh, for the most part, you've got almost every writer that Scripture says they wrote Scripture. Yeah. And so let's look at these last two. Okay. Uh, basically, uh, the, the first one is Mark. And so according to 1 Peter 5.13, Mark is Peter's son in the faith. You know, a lot of times you read about Paul. He's got Timothy, his son right. in the faith. Titus is his son in the faith. And he pours his life into them. Well, that's what Peter does for John Mark. He pours his life into him. And around 350 A.D., there's uh, one of the fathers of church history. He's named Eusebius. Uh, and he, when he's talking about Mark's gospel, he calls him an interpreter of Peter. Hmm. Okay, and really what you can take for that is, is that Mark got his information from Peter right. as he is recording uh, his accounts. And so it's interesting as you read through the New Testament as well, the Gospels, there's always a special place about Peter in Mark's Gospel. You remember the time whenever uh, Peter denies Jesus three times and eventually Jesus says, tells him, he said, go tell my disciples that I'll be in Galilee. Yeah. He says that. But yeah. then in Mark's gospel, yeah. uh, Mark says this. He said, go tell my disciples and, and, Peter. and Peter. That's right. Yeah, and so it's kind of like a personal touch that, hey, Peter, yeah. I didn't forget about Connection you. there. And that's interesting, but that still doesn't mean he can write scripture. Right. It just means he got his source from somebody right. that was authoritative. Trained by a good source. Absolutely. But does that validate scripture? Well, here is another good piece of, of evidence here that I believe uh, that you'll connect with. In 2 second, in second Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, uh, the Bible gives some pretty good validation. So in Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas have a pretty big contention. Right. And you preached about this the other night in yep. our church. Yep that Paul gets upset at John Mark because he leaves at a critical point. And uh, so there's strife. Paul separates from Barnabas, takes Silas. But, you know, years later in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, right. Paul says, take Mark and bring him with me because he's profitable, profitable. Yep. for the ministry. And so by this stage in Mark's life, he is of note among the apostles. Yes. He has the power of God on his life. He's proven. And he has something to offer from a ministry perspective, which seems to give him some significant authority to write. No, no doubt. No doubt. And so really that just leaves us with James. And the question is, how does James have the authority to write? Who does he write to? And the answer to that question is, uh, I believe, pretty clear. So when, preacher, we start looking at James, we find out in the first chapter, he writes to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Right, right. And when people start asking, why were the 12 tribes scattered abroad? The simple answer is, if you read Acts 8, right. Saul's wreaking havoc among the church. <laughs> and so uh, they're dispersed. Uh, but the question is, why is James the one writing about that? And the answer to that question could be found in Acts 15, is that James is the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. All right. And so they start having this debate at the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 over the Jews and the Gentiles. And the one who gives sentence about what to do, the Bible says James gives the sentence. And so he's the pastor he's that the gives the authority. No doubt. And yeah. so that gives him some credibility. Another thing that's interesting is James is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. And so that's, a pretty, uh, that's another pretty significant uh, detail that after you know, we think about in 1 Corinthians 15, when Jesus resurrects, he goes to a number of people. He goes to the 500. And then the Bible says that Jesus goes to, uh, he goes to James and sees him. 
And really, I think the neat thing about James is when you look at his life growing up as Jesus' half-brother, he wasn't really a believer in Jesus. When you look at the New Testament, and there's some scriptures I won't share for time's sake, but it seems to insinuate that he did not necessarily believe that Jesus right. was who he claimed to be. Right. Uh, but you know, when your brother resurrects from the dead, there's <laughs> something about that that helps to yeah. verify, hey man, maybe yeah. you are who be you hard say. To, uh, hard to debate with that. You are who yeah. you say you are. That's exactly and right. so the community approach to canonicity shouldn't take priority over what the Bible says first. That's right. Here's the reason why. Because the Bible is our final authority, not history. That's right. And so that's a Baptist distinctive as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. No and doubt. so uh, I love history. I teach it. But when it comes to what's our final authority, we've got to stick with the book. The Word of God. Got yeah. to stick with the yeah. Word of God. And you can trust it. It just it just continually proves itself like this. Yeah. And it's as you begin to look at things and study things, and then the Lord will bring a verse out you've read many times and say, "Well, what about that?" And it just shows you the the power and the the divine nature of what is contained yeah. in the canon of Scripture. I just think it's great that you don't have to look for outside sources as you can find the answers yep. in the book. So, That's right. Uh, so when we look at what the Bible teaches, you can get into the historical development of that, which uh, the early church basically had this. They had four canons they used, standards of measurement right. for Scripture. And so the question is, what were they? And so really the churches in that time were in Rome, Antioch, and Alexandria, and basically, they all came to the same conclusions providentially on what these scriptures were. And so, I'll just share those four things. Sure. And so, the first canon they used was, uh, and by the way, when you look at this theologically, they use some pretty big words. And right, so, I just kind of right. brought it down yeah. uh, to, you. Yeah, you know, to alliteration, which we both like as we preachers. Do. Yeah. And so, uh, I'll give this to you alliterated. Uh, the first canon was this, the apostles, okay? Apostles, and that is this. Was it written by an apostle or someone that was closely associated with an apostle? Okay. That was the canon they used. So you think about James, he's the pastor of the apostles. Mark, closely associated right, with the apostles. Right. So uh, apostles was the first canon. And so the second canon is this, authority. And it was, does the book speak as thus saith the Lord? Or does it just relay authority about other writers that's, right. you know, things that's already been given? Right. You think about history, John the Apostle has, he has some disciples, guys like Ignatius and Polycarp. I mean, they're significant yes. figures. Heroes of the faith. Absolutely. But. And those guys, those guys would qualify on the canon of closely connected with apostles, but not on authority. Right. Because when in their writings, when you read them, they basically just tell what John said, what James said. They right. just repeat what's already been stated, right. not what thus saith the Lord. So their writings were not included in the canon of exactly. Scripture because of that. Right. So it was authority. Well, another one was the word agreement. Right. And really that is this, is what is written here consistent or in agreement with what everything else that's been written aforetime has said. So in other words, is it consistent? Right. Is it consistent with what everything else uh, is being put out and does it line up? So they looked at that as a canon. Sure. And the last thing was this, acceptance. Um, one of the words they use in theological terms is Catholicity. So that's why I, I thought the word acceptance was I like better. Acceptance yeah. better. And really that just means this, it's universal. And was it accepted by all the churches in Rome, in Alexandria, and in Antioch? And so when they looked at those four things, those were standards of measurement to decide this book belongs in the canon. Right. And so really for me, there's two big takeaways, preacher, about 
of this whole idea of the canonicity of the Bible, and that's this. We remember that the church doesn't declare books authoritative. We simply recognize what God already declares. Right. And the most important thing for me is this, is that when we take the approach uh, that we validate from Scripture first, and then history can confirm what yes. the Bible already says, yes. because I believe this, this book's got all the answers. It does. It's got all the I answers, it. and it's amazing. You know, the other thing, Brother Matt, us being King James people, is that we recognize that God did not stop, stop doing miracles Absolutely. when he stopped pinning the words to the Bible in Absolutely. the original uh, scriptures. And you know that our God is still a miracle-working God today. Yes. Now, we don't believe he's going to add to the canon of scripture, but my point is we believe that God could be involved in even those churches as they were making decisions. Absolutely. That God could be there and certainly was there influencing what he wanted to be considered scripture. Sure. And then we would carry that on over even then to the uh, King James translators. Absolutely. That God was involved and that, that there was miracles taking place in that room to perfectly preserve his word. And others would disagree with this strongly, maybe. But I, I even believe that God helped them with the chapters and the verses. And I think that there are neat, for lack of a better word, neat and interesting um, what some might call coincidences that have fallen into place with those chapter and verses sure. that I don't believe are coincidences. I believe that they are divine stamps that God said, hey, watch this. I'm going to put this thing just in place so that even the chapter verses all work out mm. so that people will know I was involved in this process Absolutely. as well. You know, like uh, the book of, what is it, Isaiah having 66 chapters and it sure. maps out so neatly as a little Bible within the right. Bible. You know, little things like that. Where, you know, I'm not saying that's the same level as Paul writing right. down the book of Ephesians, but it is God, I believe to me, showing himself that he was involved in the process. And I believe so, it's supernaturally constructed the book. No is. doubt. And you can and it's okay for us to get excited about the construction. Yeah. As well as excited about the original inspiration, which we certainly are passionate about and excited about. Absolutely. This is very uh, very great information how that you brought from the Bible, it calling itself scripture and all of those things. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. And so I appreciate you coming on, Brother Matt. Praise the Lord. Uh, I just want to say to those of you that tune in, first of all, we really appreciate it. And uh, I know that I'm still not good at this. And uh, I'm still a work in progress on podcasting and handling it and hosting it. Don't still say everything just right and do everything just right. But we're still trying to get out the word that you can trust in the Bible, Amen. that this is the Word of God, and you can believe in it, and that Satan from the very beginning has been casting doubt on the Word of God, and he still is today. Sure. And so we just want to encourage people in a lot of different ways to know this is the book that God has given us, Amen. and you can trust it. Now, if you enjoy these podcasts, you can help us a little bit. First of all, you can go to all the different kinds of podcast sites, and uh, you can subscribe, and that'll help us. And also on those, you can scroll down after you've listened, and you can rate us. Give us one star, two star, please, three or four or five would be good. And uh, the more that that happens, that helps us online as well. And then you can also share it after you've listened to it. Click the little button, most time where the three dots are, and then share it. And you can share it through different social medias. And, uh, and if you would, just go on social media and tell folks that you Listen to it and that you enjoyed it if you did, and tag us in that. We actually have an I Believe the Book Twitter account and Instagram and Facebook. And so if you can tag us on some of that, that will allow us to know that you listened and watched. It will also allow us then to 
push that on out to other people. So we're about out of time. We appreciate so much you coming. Thank you, Brother Matt. Thank you. Great stuff. And don't forget, you can believe the book.